people who are bipolar, there's tendency to be impulsive. I just knew that I couldn't go up to my apartment because I don't trust myself being next to a balcony right now. I don't know what I'll do. Please note that this episode contains topics of suicide and sexual abuse. Some people may find it disturbing. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. When I first started my recovery 11 years ago, I struggled through the textbook-like material on the subject. I wanted to make the addiction and the recovery from it accessible and relatable to more people by telling it in an entertaining way. Well, I'm super excited to announce I've released my first book, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict. If I can help just one person find a solution or at least realize they're not broken or alone, then writing this has been worth it. You can buy my book or audiobook directly from my site, secretlifenovel.com, or worldwide at every major retailer. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we partnered up with Ignited by Dr. Adi Jaffe to support mental health and those struggling with addiction. As you probably know, Mark and My Recovery is 12-step based, but we also know that it's not for everyone. Many of our guests have recovered from addiction through other programs and systems. This week, you can enroll in the Ignited Hero Program for free. With 14 days of free access to the HERO program, you and your loved ones can kickstart your journey to breaking free from addictions, habits, and compulsions that no longer serve you. Check out the link in the episode notes and sign up for free. Now enjoy the show. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know those deep, dark secrets you probably want to take to your grave? Are those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing? Really? The how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Leah. Now, Leah, I have a question for you. Dun, dun, dun. What is your secret? So my secret, kind of secret now, um, is that I have bipolar disorder. Oh, you do? Yes. See, I have met a couple people that have it, but I don't exactly know what it is. Can you describe it to our audience? That's actually the perfect question. (laughs) Um, I think think, uh, one of the biggest issues is that people do think they know what it is yeah they don't um and that's part of the problem about talking about it um so so the best way I like to describe it is it's more surges of energy on Mm -hmm. your mood and which then affects your behavior um but it's not a constant up and down it's like long wave periods of those. Okay. Um, and by up and down, it's not happy or sad. It's uh, manic or uh, de- depression. I actually only have one side, which is pretty unique. Um, 
in an even rarer instance of bipolar disorder. So I only experience the quote unquote highs, but a lot of people who have bipolar disorder actually describe that as the bad side. So why do you say, well, first of all, there's a couple questions there. So, <laughs> oh my God, so many questions, but <laughs> Okay. I'm going to do a whole bunch of questions and you just answer them all at the same time. So I would say, when did you find out why is it bad to have just the high side? And what is the other side again? The low, like the depressive state? Yeah. Depressive state. Um, So I actually found out in 2018, um, mine was onset by having my child. So a lot of people know about postpartum depression. Yeah. I think I had a bit of that. So yeah. Yeah. And people don't know about postpartum bipolar or mm-hmm. other mood disorders. Like there's postpartum anxiety, there's postpartum OCD. Um, and oh my God, so I probably had all of those. <laughs> I'm like OCD, anxiety, having a child, your mood swings, all that. Right. Stuff. And yeah. no one, no one knows about it. Uh, like, not or they don't talk people. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I found out in August, 2018, um, and it's believed to be onset of my child that was born in January, 2017. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's like very clear when I found out, um, because the year and a half before finding that out was awful, um, because I was being treated for postpartum depression Mm -hmm. and, um, things like antidepressants can make you manic if you are not, if you don't just have, um, depression. Yeah. And that is what happened to me. (laughs) So, um, can you describe your symptoms? Like what you were feeling when you were misdiagnosed and given those antidepressants? Yeah. So over time, um, like it first started with me being like easily agitated. I wouldn't sleep for days. I wanted to party. I would stay up all night writing because I thought I had the best idea in the world and would have to write it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like laughing about this now because <laughs> I just didn't know, right? I had no idea. I I told the doctors, I said I felt different after my first child, but I just didn't know what was going on. And I was just like spiraling down this like party from the outside that just looked like, oh, she's going through a wave of like really wanting to party, like stay up all night. Uh, I got into drugs even for a bit and it just was so out of my character, like how rapid it was happening. And then the frequency was more and more. Um, But that's because I kept I didn't know both from like a probably going to talk therapy. And then also my chemical reaction was just worse and worse. Um, Did that affect you with being a mother? It, it, it did in um, a sense of like, I just felt not good enough constantly. And I was always like easily agitated. Mm -hmm. Right. So the other thing at the time that probably also made it worse was I um, got divorced at the same time. Oh, yeah. Um, That's a lot yeah. going on at right? one time. Yeah. yeah. So it was every... So for 
anything like bipolar disorder, there's everybody has different triggers that make it worse. Big life changes is one of them. Mm -hmm. Something like too much serotonin, which is caused by SSRIs is one of them. And then what's SSRIs? What is uh, that? That's, so that's like Zoloft, like depression. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I, yeah. So I, I obviously threw myself into reading all about it after I've, I've learned about it as much as possible. Um, but yeah. And then eventually what started happening um, before I like found out that it was bipolar disorder was I would hallucinate, I guess, or like have delusions, mm-hmm. but not be on drugs. Um, wow. Really? Yeah. And I, I was aware enough to know like something is happening. This is wrong. Um, and then eventually there was just one day I remember it's, it's the day, the big day. Um, I the day out. is what I call when the bottom drops out. <laughs> yeah. Bottom drops out. Um, when I was at dinner with friends and we were supposed to like go to a fun drag show that night, all dressed up a bunch of girlfriends and I, mm-hmm. and I remember looking around, um, at the table of all my friends. And all of a sudden I was like, is this really my life? Do I live here? Like, do I live in San Francisco? Are these my friends? I was completely outside of my head. Wow. Like, did you feel yourself float out of your body and kind of watching your life a little yeah, bit? Yeah, it was exactly it was like I was watching my life, right? Yeah, I, I've had one of those moments. So that's why I connect to that completely where you're like, this is what's going on right now. Yeah. So that's like exactly what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the issues too with uh, like people who are bipolar is their ten- there's tendency to be impulsive. And that I've always had throughout my entire life. Um, and the issue with that is like, if something goes bad mm-hmm. um, or like you get a bad idea, you want to like take that bad idea right away. Um, right. And so uh, I just felt so out of my head. I told my friends, I was like, hey, I'm not really feeling well. I have to go home. And then on the way home, from uh, that dinner, like I took a, a car home, a lift home, and I got to my lobby and said, and I, I just knew that I couldn't go up to my apartment because I don't trust myself being next to a balcony right now. I don't oh, wow. know what I'll do. I just don't know. I feel so out of my head. I feel like I could do anything. Like, I don't know. Right. Right. Um, so then I um, texted actually both of my exes in the same <laughs> group text and said, Hey, I need help. Someone, um, I need to go to the ER. Like, I need to talk to somebody tonight. I don't, I'm out of my mind. And like, I have to have something actually done about it. That it was like a year of just feeling awful, not knowing what's going on, constant feeling of guilt from like going out all night or getting into drugs for a while or just like signing up for to do way too many things that Mm. I thought I could do. And then I couldn't because I just had this idea that I could take on anything. Right. Yeah. And and you overextend yourself and it's like, yeah, but here's my question. So you went to the hospital 
yeah. what happened at the hospital? What did the doctor say? What, you know, what was that journey like? Yeah. So I explained to them everything that had happened to me um, over the past year. I explained that I kept reaching out to a psychiatrist. I stayed overnight. I said I had suicidal ideation, but mm-hmm. I didn't want to commit suicide. Like I didn't want to have the thoughts I was having. I didn't want to feel out of my head. I didn't want to feel like I couldn't be next to a balcony. Um, I just didn't want to have these thoughts. Um, And so they, so I stayed overnight and I remember originally, because I'm not great at asking for help. I'm always a person who wants to help others, Um, but I'm not. I love that you say that with a giggle. (laughs) It's like like you're a little uncomfortable and you're like, I don't want to say this, but I get it. You have to also like as an addict myself, not that you are, but you know, sometimes we will take care of others before we take care of ourselves. Yeah, definitely. And well, and, and that's part of it. Like I have such an addictive personality. Mm-hmm. I I know I could get easily addicted to anything. And so it's like that addict personality, right? And there's right. like waves of that throughout my life. And now knowing that I have bipolar disorder and like probably some form of like an earlier onset easily addicted to things, impulsiveness. Um, it makes sense now. And so that actually makes me feel a little better. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't it lovely when you're like, Oh, that I'm not broken. Right. There's something. Cause I always felt like that too. Like something's just wrong with me. I don't know what's wrong with me. And when you finally get that answer, you're like, Oh, I'm not alone. There, there are other people. There's this thing that I have. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I remember that was the first time that morning I'm like in the hospital gumby suit <laughs> that they like made me wear. What do you mean a gumby suit? They like make it look like a like uh the hospital gowns. I just very vividly like remember like being in this hospital gown that uh-huh. was like ridiculous looking. Like those are the type of details I remember from that mm-hmm. night. Um just like being in the hospital feeling like totally shamed and also trying to get help and just sitting there I texted friends I told them what happened and that I was like I'm gonna need like help this weekend I didn't want to go back to that apartment I moved the very next day Mm. um, because I just was too freaked out and like to go back and I just didn't want to feel out of my head again and I knew I needed to like reach out to friends to tell them how I was feeling how intuitive of you not yeah, normally was, when people are in that place, they don't reach out. So that's amazing that you had that instinct in you and you went, you know, you're like, I can't be at this apartment. I have to be with other people right now. Yeah. I mean, I think it took like a year and a half for me to finally reach out to people, but, but at least I, you did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that was really, really helpful. And I think like a good turning point for me, at the same time at that visit, um, like at the hospital, I talked to some of their doctors there. They didn't have like the psychiatrist or therapist even really talk to, but they, they said, you know what, you need to stop taking your, the antidepressants. And uh, like, I don't think you have depression. And so stop taking those right away. And this was like a Friday. And mm-hmm. then 
weekend, I just kind of sat around all of my friends, like and my ex-husband, they moved out my stuff from my apartment into my new house, figured it all out within a weekend so that I didn't have to go back. And then on Monday, I started with an actual psychiatrist and she was like, yep, you have bipolar disorder, 100%, every single checklist item that you are saying, like you are checklist bipolar. Um, and the medication you were on after having a child either caused it, like sparked it more, mm-hmm. um, or made it unmanageable from when you were a kid. Like maybe you had it always, but this made it worse and un- unmanageable. Yeah. And I have to say having a kid amplifies everything. Your hormone levels are out of control. You don't feel like your body's yours until what, two years later. Right. So I can imagine if this undiagnosed thing was within you and then they gave you the wrong chemicals that it just like went crazy. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so how that, was that secret that you didn't even know you had when you finally realized it? How how did you feel after that? I felt ashamed, right? Really? I, I felt it well, I think I the thing I felt most was like or not ashamed, I felt guilt for mm-hmm. like just bad decisions I had made that year. Like signing up to work extra and then letting people down just because I physically couldn't and way overextended myself. Um, I felt guilty for he's now my ex-boyfriend, but my boyfriend at the time, um, I felt awful for so many nights where we'd go out and then it just ended up in me like angry. And I would like, black out and not even remember being so angry or mean to him and that did it ever get physical no no Mm -hmm. um but I'm just not I like to think ironically I like to think I'm a pretty easygoing person (laughs) I Um, love that you're saying it with us it always cracks me up when I have people on and they they're laughing why they tell this like huge moment in their life and and it's funny that you keep doing that yeah it's well I think like with everything that's gone on in the past couple of years like Mm -hmm. leading up to this even after this it's like that's all that's what I can do right I want to help others and to not get to the point where I got to um and so that's where like really trying to just be open and honest about postpartum bipolar disorder and like what it is or just that it exists um, is important to me. But then it's also like the only other thing I can do is laugh because I'm like, there's so much and it's just getting through it. Um, Oh, I hear you. When I was on like at my bottom and going through stuff afterwards, I'd be like cracking up in meetings because it's like all you can do to just like let that energy out and talk about it. Right. Yeah. And I, I think for me too, like, it's like you get it out and that it just feels lighter, right? Yeah. It just feels lighter. Yeah. So, and, and it, yeah, there's just so, so much of it that I just laugh about now, but I, I did feel right away. I felt guilt um, yeah. because it was like the first time in my life too, I was recognizing like I did something wrong. Like I was mean to people 
I didn't follow through on my word of like getting things done at work. Another piece of like mania is like hypersexuality. Um, and so like uh, cheating, flirting, like intrigue. Trying, yeah. Trying to get attention um, mm-hmm. that way um, is like part of it. So like I felt guilty about that. Um, just guilty that I had finally reached out for help and I didn't want people thinking like they have to always look out for me. Yeah. Um, Like you were someone else's responsibility now. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that we're talking about this. I love that you still went to your friends and, you know, said, I really need help. And then finally you're feeling this guilt and this shame. How did you get through that? Because that is the hardest to get through. Once you know you can't unknown, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think um, with my friends, like they're like, oh, yeah, like whatever. <laughs> um, and they they didn't seem as like affected as my guilt, right? No, our guilt, our own shame and guilt is worse than what other people can do. So how did you get through it internally with yourself? Um, internally, it... I mean, that is like the constant theme that I still work through, right? Um, I I definitely go through therapy. I think another thing is like I read as much as possible um, to try to understand like my brain, how I was thinking and just like what I can do to not do things that make me feel guilty, right? Right. Um, it's like, allowing myself to understand, like, I didn't know, I didn't intentionally try to hurt anyone to be mean to other people, I reached out when I could. um, And yeah, I think I think the guilt that um, still actually, (laughs) I I work with, or that was the strongest was with my now ex boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, because he definitely got the worst of it, like the anger, um, and like me just cons- impulsive decisions. Like some of them would be like, Hey, you want to go to Europe tomorrow? I just bought us flights and that seems fun. But when you're trying to like live a normal steady life, having things like that happen constantly, um, or like we're going out now, like we're, we're, we have to go out tonight. Um, it all sounds fun, but no, it sounds to me unbalanced. It's unbalanced, right? <laughs> like and if you're going to go to Europe, you need right. like a couple of days, at least to pack, you know, like right. for me, that right. sounds like, Oh, that's chaotic. Right. And that's, that's like what he saw. And he, he was like, Oh, you know what? Like, okay, sure. Um, but over time I definitely wore him out. Right. Yeah. And that's where I think my guilt still um, lies. Uh, and we act, we have a child together too. So like we still have, like I say, have to communicate, right? Yeah, you co-parent um, as co-parent. best you can. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think like he's a reminder of all that guilt, even if it I don't need it still. Um, so the guilt is still something that I'm working on. Um Have you, have you sat down and actually made amends to it yet to him? We, yes and no. Um, I mean, we're definitely like be it's now again, it's been like years. Um, we're past it. 
Um, like we've, we're past having those conversations, but, uh, we're not at a, we'll never be at a point to talk about it and have me not feel guilty. Mm -hmm. Um, because he, he does hold on to it. Like there's a lot of anger, um, still, and like a lot of blame and it's very clear that's not going away. Um, and so, yeah, so, so I think the the best thing that I can do, and it's not only in relation to him, but in relation to all things, is just like, how can I manage this the best? How do I make sure I, I remember that I have bipolar disorder. It's not, I am bipolar. I like to look at it like that, where it's like, okay, I'm still in control. And now I have all these resources of like understanding what different triggers are or, um, I actually have a psychiatrist and I'm on the right medication and just trying to do my best and like forgive myself is like the best way I can not feel guilty. But, um, the, there is a bit that still like lingers on. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that takes time also. Um, I just hit a long time in my sobriety and I'm finally letting go of that shame and guilt of the pain I've caused others. And for me, what really helped and it might help you is to make a living amends that you, you know, vow to yourself and to others, you will never hurt someone else like that again. Right. It's a living amends because sometimes you're right. Bringing it up with him, if he's not ready to heal from it or have a conversation, there's nothing you can do. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, and it's like me understanding like, okay, I did do something wrong. Right. Yeah. You have Um, to take responsibility when we do wrong. And sometimes we do the best we can in the situation. And that seems like you were doing the best you could with that. It's a chemical imbalance, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's sparked by chemical imbalances. Um, and it just was getting worse and worse. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I always like to tie these kind of like secrets and it was a secret from yourself, just like my secret. I didn't know I had this thing. So I always like to attach it to these seven deadly sins, not in the religious sense, more in the character defect. So I'm going to name them for you and which of them still ring true for you about this secret, this bipolar disorder. So we have pride, greed, lust, gluttony, envy, anger, and sloth. Yeah. So I think, um, I think I <laughs> look, you giggle. Of, I love I know, it. <laughs> I think I felt all of those emotions while <laughs> originally, right. When finally right. Out, I felt all of it, like for every different reason. Right. Like, right. But well, the, definitely anger. You said anger and you said anger. lust already because yeah. you had that like hypersexuality you said. Yeah. And then I think it's like the opposite of sloth actually, because it was like, I'd only sleep for three hours a night and not need any more than that. Right. Um, and that, uh, but I think longer term, like why it's been harder for me to like really talk about just specifics of like how bad that like year was even. And like, I have this, this is postpartum bipolar disorder. And I talk about it on the surface. Um, but I think the details are hard to share because of pride. Right. And it's, but I, I also <laughs> feel guilty about that because I want people to know, like, 
you you don't have to be ashamed of what is happening to your brain um, and what you don't know. And so I think, but the pride is like, I don't want to be associated with this whole bad, like, um, unknown bad understanding of what people think about it right well it's just they're unknown they're uneducated I'm even uneducated the only encounter I had with bipolar disorder was an old roommate and I remember I used to walk in and I didn't know if I was gonna get like someone angry or someone overly loving yeah and and she was also smoking pot so it was like it was it was i felt like i was walking on eggshells that was yeah. my only experience and then i moved out cuz i couldn't handle it yeah and and like uh marijuana is like not great for people with bipolar yeah disorder. i figured that <laughs> so that was just her and i i moved out yeah. cuz i couldn't handle the mood swings so that was my right. only experience but to now be on the other side of being an addict and understanding that chemical imbalance and our brain takes over that we have to have humility with it. Right. Right. And to humble yourself and say, I have this, it doesn't define me, but I also get to educate people. Right. Yeah. And I think it's like understanding, like you, like there are decisions and that you need to make about like taking care of your body and like different things that you can do that help with the chemical imbalance or like help make it not as bad um, to affect other people. Um, but I think like that's if you even get to the point of being properly diagnosed, because a lot of times it isn't, um, then it's like you have to be able to have that strength to to do the work. Um, but that really does require a support system too. Like you can't do it alone. Yeah. I, I've always been pretty empathetic, but now I think even more so like, like you just said, it's like after going through understanding yourself more, it's like, okay, I, I understand why this is happening to someone or, um, it might not all be on them or something. Uh, Yeah. Well, I just feel, and I I love what you're talking about, and I wanted to ask you another question, but when we struggle, and if you are struggling out there and you're listening, we can never do it alone. You cannot, our worst, our best thinking is probably not that great, especially if you have a chemical imbalance and addiction, but I always feel like you need people. You need a tribe to help you out. You need a group. What would be, if someone's listening right now, what would be some of the things if they're struggling after having a baby or feeling their mood swings? What would be some of the things if you recognized or or when you recognize it that might help them think, oh, maybe I need to talk to somebody right now? Yeah, I think the number one thing that people um, have, like first indicator is not sleeping like not need feeling like you don't need to sleep okay that's Um, good what's another one uh also like having the sense that you can do anything um and that first starts off great like oh I can do x for the baby I can I can do all the things on this list um but then it gets into unrealistic things of just an example being like, oh, I should run for the president of the United States this year. <laughs> um, is, is That's mania, right? right? That is it. Um, so 
yeah, just having, having those feelings like, yeah, you, you don't need sleep. Like you can do anything. Them being easily agitated. It starts off like just irritability. Mm -hmm. Um, like once you're not sleeping, right. You don't, your body. And a lot of times it's, you can't sleep. Even if you want to, it starts off with feeling like you don't need to, but then it's, you can't like you cannot fall asleep. Um, and that turns into irritation and if it continues can go into like really easily angered right yeah lack of sleep i'm cranky as i'll get out if i don't get sleep so yeah um and oh the other big one um totally forgot and another thing to look for is overspending oh so, yeah impulsive spending um, okay yeah so a lot of I mean, and I, I definitely had that. Um, it started with me with baby products, like, right. I'd spend thousands of dollars on baby shit that I did not need. (laughs) Yeah. There's a bunch of baby shit you do not need. Right. Um, but how much did, how much debt did you get in? Oh, I, I am lucky. I'm very fortunate that I also was working all the time. So Mm -hmm. I didn't experience like the whole debt side of it, but I, definitely spent like thousands and thousands of dollars on stuff I did not need um in very impulsively and then like I said it it evolved into like trips and like it went beyond just like spending on stuff um to like spending on really expensive thing like going places and right. getting bottle service with friends all the time but then I would also end up working all the time too. Um, so, cause like I got like addicted to working and then just thought I could be the best at everything. Right. Wow, and I yeah. wasn't sleeping, um, at all, but that, that I think is probably the biggest difference of, uh, like postpartum bipolar disorder versus po- postpartum depression is the, the sleep. Um, okay. so if someone's struggling out there after they've had a baby, even a year or two later, if you're struggling with this, we'll have information on the podcast for you in the description. And my last question I want to ask you is if someone is listening, how, what would be the first steps for them to move forward that really helped you? Reach out to some, like having someone close to you, or even just someone that you know has gone through a similar experience. So like some, it might not actually be even someone in your family or friends, but someone that you feel comfortable talking to um, is step one, right? Mm -hmm. Um, For me, it ended up being like the person that I could talk to was a friend, but not even a really close friend. It was a friend that I found out that had also gone through like, I guess, bad life experiences or had had been through the hard stuff, as I put it. Yeah. Um, and then just ha- like feeling empowered by even just having one person is a, a good start once a day even or something like that. Having one person on your team to start is the what I think a great first step. Mm -hmm. Um, and then reach, then 
reaching out to make sure that you can get the right like mental health support. Um, and it is, it is hard to navigate. Right. Um, the other issue is too, like from a telehealth standpoint, I just, I've, I think it's awesome. There's that so many have, that's like one of the only, that's one of the major benefits I see from 2020 is like the access to help online. Um, like being able to connect with people like therapists. Um, but a lot of these therapists wouldn't originally connect, like they won't work with someone who is bipolar because of the higher risk for suicide. Um, but there are now finally like a couple online that are approved to do so, um, because of that shift to like telehealth. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Hopefully we'll have all that information. And if you are struggling, please reach out to anyone. There is help on the other side when you're in that kind of place. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and your secret with us. I'm so grateful. Yeah, thank you for having me. And if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon. Mm-hmm.